Hi, you're listening to the Coding Black Females podcast, where we'll be sharing recordings of our events and inspirational stories and discussions from black women in tech. So we'll move on to uh, today's event, which is called Tech and Me. And we've got uh, four amazing uh, speakers that are from our CBF community. So Toyin, F1, Yasha and Jessica. And we're going to be discussing neurodiversity, chronic illness and disability in the tech space, which I, I hope that all of you can appreciate is an important topic, whether it affects you um or not whether it affects your colleagues or may affect you in the future um, it's definitely an important conversation to be having so what we're going to do is we're going to start by getting to know our speakers a bit better um, and then i've got a few questions for them in a panel talk and then we'll go on to the audience q and a um, so let me stop sharing um yeah so panelists, uh, let's begin by getting to know you a bit better. So if you could kind of give us a bit of insight into who you are, what your role is, and kind of how you got into tech, um, I, I guess we'll, we can start with Nyasha, um, and then I'll call out the rest of you as we go. No, I definitely didn't want to uh, start <laughs> Hi, everyone. Uh, thank you so much, Faith. It's really um, lovely to be here with these um, wonderful ladies. And of course, um, everyone in the audience as well. Thank you all for joining. So I am Nyasha. I was born in Zimbabwe, but I've lived in the UK for most of my life. And in terms of what I currently get up to, so I have a number of different um, contracts, which can be anything numbering from like research to working in a sort of community engagement space and learning and development building websites and I also run my own professional development platform called Your Career Site and in terms of tech I've done yeah really so many different things that I've had the privilege to be um, part of from just working with startups whether it's like in you know video recruitment was probably the first major thing that I did and I've also looked at sort of a more information management and data science perspective within like private diplomacy and peace building and I've also been in civic technology. So just again, all sorts of things that I would say really with a real um, tech for good slant. And in terms of the things that I've had to like really battle and do with alongside that. So I have been a long sufferer of um, depression, probably um, most significantly. And then in terms of other things as well, there's um, OCD, which is, you know, I think, and I'm sure there's many things that um, people also um, find challenging. And then also um, a chronic tick disorder. But um, yeah, I think it's just one of those things where even with all the things that I've battled, I feel that I've been fortunate to at least get some level of support. And I think just learning the resilience from that and really not letting anything that you struggle with, um, like get in the way of your goals. And I think it's also been a journey of kind of discovery and learning like the things that like make you different, whether it's like kind of, you know, ADHD things and things that you, I guess, make you feel like it makes you weird, but actually there's a uniqueness within that. And it's about embracing and accepting yourself. Thanks, Niasha. Um, Fwa, shall we go to you next? Hi everyone, so my name is Ifwa, um, so I'm a career changer, so I've been in tech for just less than a year, so I used to work in university administration for a number of years, um, so now I work as an associate site re reliability engineer, that was a mouthful, so ensuring that sites are reliable, efficient and scalable over um, Sky's OTT platforms such as SkyGo and Now TV, so I got into tech um, 
not the conventional route of doing computer science. I got it got, got in through Sky's Get Into Tech Scheme, which Faith is also alumni. Um, and so I secured, secured a job after the scheme. So um, me and tech, it's uh, with my, so basically I'm dyspraxic. I was diagnosed with dyspraxia when I was 19, which I'll go into a bit more later on. So um, learning a new skill, um, definitely brought about my dyspraxia, but in tech, I've been quite, it's been quite accommodating with my, my team and my organization. So um, yeah, that's a bit about me. I think I'm going to leave it there and give you more information later on. More to come. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's go to uh, Toya next. Uh, hi, uh, so my name's Toya and I'm a junior solutions manager at a company called Red Ant. So we provide uh, solutions to like retail companies, uh, tech solutions. And so my role kind of merges like business analyst with uh, like a QA tester. So I collect all the requirements from the clients and then the developers will develop it and then I'll test it um, and then feed it back to the client, like present it back and then, you know, work from there and kind of go back and forth. Um, so how I got into tech was in year nine, we had an assembly with this guy came in, like careers guy, and he spoke to us about computing and he told us that it was like a, a, like a male dominated field and kind of sparked my interest from there because I was like, okay, go on then, what's the challenge? Um, so I took computing GCSE, I loved the coursework bit, loved coding, but I hated the like network side. So I was like, I can't do this for A-level because it will just be exams on exams. And then, so I went to, went to sixth form, I did like art, maths and photography. Then I got to uni and I was doing animation. Um, and within the first week we had a lecture and they were like, you can change courses. And I thought, you know, I'm gonna go for it. So I changed over to computing. And then I realized like somehow I'd forgotten that I didn't like networks. So I changed again in my second year to web design and development. And then that's kind of when I started to struggle a bit with my like concentration. Um, but I kind of like, I was fine through uni, like I was able to get through it. Um, and then obviously I finished, I got this job, which I started 10 months ago now, so last September. Um, but then I thought, I started seeing things on like Twitter and stuff and girls saying like, oh, I'm struggling with like my concentration, ADHD, and people were saying all these like different symptoms they had, and I could relate to all of them. So when I got, checked uh, about five months ago now so my diagnosis is quite recent but um I was diagnosed with ADHD and autism so yeah I've been kind of like navigating that and like how it's affected my you know um just yeah like how I've gotten here but it's been helpful to have the diagnosis because then now I've kind of been able to be kinder to myself in my work but yeah that's me Thanks, Toyin. And then lastly, we'll head to Jess. Hiya, nice to meet you. Um, so um, my name's Jess. I'm a, a software engineer, um, also freelance writer, um, currently writing for IT Pro. Um, and I think the biggest uh, kind of first kind of differentiation point around um, kind of 
classes me in the neurodiverse categories um, around my dyslexia. So I think lots of people kind of look at me a bit funny when I say that I'm a writer with that's heavily dyslexic. Um, uh, I um, found out when I was 18 um, at, um, yeah, in sixth form college. Um, I've just found that I was putting in a lot of work and I wasn't necessarily, I just kept swimming. Yeah, I just, I was putting in a lot of work to just try and kind of get by. And um, it was a very, you know, massive relief to kind of find out. Um, a diagnosis but um it kind of left me kind of a little bit jarring because I was just always so in love with words and literature so um yeah it caused me to kind of rethink my kind of career a little bit or, or my kind of path um uh like FYI I'm also a career switcher um so I've had a non-traditional um journey into tech um I studied um literature at university because um I'm a uh, <laughs> one of the challenge like like toyin i guess um and um uh i've um, always been a big fan of writing um i've worked in um pr marketing and ended up in um, working for technology clients and i found almost like i felt like i'd found um i felt accepted for the first time in a professional environment that you know in forever um and since then i sort of learned how to code in my own time um taught myself just really enjoyed it it's just a kind of you know problem solving enjoyment um but um also like toyin um, i saw lots of people talking about all of these symptoms around adhd and they all just hit home a little bit too <laughs> too too closely um so um funny enough i've had my first assessment today so it's all very fresh um but uh it feels good to be accepting my brain for exactly how it is and trying to work with it and have these differences power me and not you know into me so I'll leave it there yeah awesome thank you so much everyone um so that's kind of helped us get to know you a little bit better I know I think all of you actually mentioned kind of the conditions or illnesses that you have but I guess for the context of our audience members who may not um have these the same experiences how would you kind of describe what what your condition is and what it means for you on a day-to-day -day basis I guess if we start with Toyin you mentioned you you were diagnosed with ADHD and autism what does that mean for you on a day-to-day -day basis yes so uh, the ADHD side um, it means like I struggle to concentrate and like I struggle with my like short-term memory um, and I also struggle to get to sleep at night. Like I, I've struggled with my sleep for like years. I've gone to the doctors and like been like, you know, I'm tired all the time. Um, but then I didn't realize like recently that's a symptom kind of like how ADHD affects you because of the hyperactivity, your brain's constantly going. So I've struggled with my sleep. Um, and then also like being organized and listening to instructions and like processing new information is something that I find quite difficult. Um, and then the autism side, I struggle with like nonverbal communication. So lockdown has been interesting with obviously like I've only been to the office three times. So I've only met a handful of people from work, but then like only being able to communicate over Slack is kind of like texting people you don't really know. So I can't pick up on their tone. Um, so yeah. And then new and old like friends um 
I get kind of anxious meeting up with new people as well. So that's kind of like a difficult thing. So I'm kind of apprehensive about going back to the office because I don't know anyone still, it feels like. Um, and then what else? Um, like focusing on small details and like things like that, I kind of get a bit bogged down and I take a bit of like a, a lot longer to like process things of people. Um, but because they're comorbid, it's like comorbid means like they're together, like more than one thing. So the like autism kind of hides the hyperactivity. So I've kind of like been able to kind of hide in plain sight, but yeah, like I've noticed personally, whereas other people wouldn't. Yeah. 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 That's interesting about the comorbidity thing. I didn't, I hadn't kind of ever anticipated that, but yeah, that's super interesting. I guess, Jess, you've got ADHD as well. Do you identify with what Toyin's saying or is it slightly different? Oh, so, so yeah, I toss one to everything you said. Yeah. Um, yeah, the nonverbal kind of um, communication can be a bit of a, 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 an issue, especially when you have those kind of um, tendencies to, to ruminate um, and to kind of to, to go into almost, um, and this is a little bit engineering of me, but, you know, like almost like a, um, like a psychological like recursion. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Relate to that. <laughs> And how about the dyslexia? What does that mean for you, Jess? Oh, um, so um, I mean, so this dyslexia and the um, so uh, it means I need to put in a hell of a lot more. I, I've just I, I need to put in a lot of effort to just try and meet the standard requirements, like very simple things, like being able to be um, on time for things, being able to structure my kind of communication. Um, especially when I'm kind of writing something, I really need to put in, uh, I have a lot of like mechanisms I've had to really consciously put in place. Otherwise it just, just doesn't, nothing really works. Um, uh, I think um, I found that, um, you know, as we're kind of opening up and talking about this more in a sort of more general sense, um, there are more and more pieces of software. There are more kind of technical solutions that really help. Something simple like Grammarly is great. Um, but um, yeah, I, I think it's always worth, I don't know whether or not this is kind of skipping ahead, but I think the main thing that I need to do on a daily basis is just to not judge myself. I think it can be very easy to just judge how you're feeling. And I think, you know, we've survived a hell of a year as a collective, you know, human group um so the last thing we need to be able to like be doing right now is to judge judging ourselves so I don't know I guess like kind of trying to work with like acceptance and being like okay these are my shortcomings I need to understand how to 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 um to plan around them I know it's a little bit abstract that's all right that, that makes perfect sense um how about you FY you mentioned dyspraxia okay um yeah so with dyspraxia it affects you in terms of your fine and um, gross motor skills. So, um, so the basic tasks like just say, tying your shoelaces could be a lot to do for somebody or um, just say even getting dressed or um, doing processing information. So instructions, if you give me a whole load of instructions, I'm like, oh my gosh, what did you say? So I need it to be broken down and I need to take it in my own um, pace. So, um, with dyspraxia um it, some people see it as 
people see dyspraxics as lazy. Um, what's the other one? Um, poor memory, which is, you know, to some extent, you do have poor memory, but it doesn't affect everyone the same way. So there's so many things about dyspraxia. It can affect your posture. It can affect your memory. Um, Hand-eye um, coordination could be poor. Your speech. There's so many elements to it, but it doesn't mean that all the different elements are the same um, things for everyone else. Um, some people have mild. Some people have severe. So for me, I my memory, short-term memory is poor but my long-term memory is great so um I have to always take notes down or even vocally say it in a recorder in order to because sometimes my hand coordination is not as fast as my mind um and also um what else do I do day-to-day -day basis I have to break down tasks I have most of my energy in the morning so for me to do more be most effective is the morning and um what else can I say about dyspraxia I can say it time management can be an issue as well and being forgetful so people please don't hold it against dyspraxics in any way um on a day-to-day -day basis sometimes I use like things like mind map in order for me to um concise my notes down and um read and write software um in order to sometimes because sometimes I see words and it's just words to me so I need someone to speak it out to me the software speaks it out to me so I can um gain more context of what information I need to understand. So that's about it, about dyspraxia. And lastly, how about you, Nyasha? What, does, what do your kind of illnesses mean for you on a day-to-day -day basis? A lot of what everyone has said has really um, resonated. I think from you know the ADHD perspective, definitely that whole thing of focus being a challenge and I think time management and like, cause there's so many different ways that things can manifest. And I think for me, another one is there's a sense there in terms of like forgetfulness or something, or it's like someone having a different recollection of things um, than you. And I think that can be very challenging in a workplace context. And you're like, this is what's been said and like having loads and loads of things to um, stay on top of. And then I think um, I would say maybe the chronic tick disorder, I would say probably the least impact because I think with chronic tick disorder, it's like maybe most people might have heard of Tourette's. So Tourette's will be a very kind of um, obvious, uh, more more likely to be obvious, I would say, like a motor tick, I think it's called or a vocal tick. And I think I have seen elements of that within myself as well, and just really trying to have that self-awareness then when you're going and you're like talking to a professional to get your diagnosis. But with the ticks for me, I would say that they're mostly not noticeable, but it's just that involuntary thing. And again, it's just that self-consciousness if you don't want to look weird and the people be like, oh, what's that? And they're like asking you, and obviously if it's video calls, video calls, video calls. And then on the um, OCD front, I think um, for me, it's like things have to be a certain way and I have to work really hard to override it because it's like you're sending an email and it's just, oh my gosh, it can be torturous as much as I love writing. And it's like, it has to be like this, has to be this. And it's all those little things that you're kind of noticing and you're picking up on. And I think, you know, for some people, it can be definitely really um, debilitating. So I think for me, I'm fortunate in the way that I can even kind of really sometimes overpowering sometimes I'm just, just going to give into the OCD um, tendencies but you know for example the whole like you might you know be switching on lights it might be this or you might think oh no I didn't turn that off I didn't this and it's like you need to repeat it to be sure that you've done something right or to be um, certain so then it's just like things taking up time as well and then with the um, depression side of things I'm sure for many other people who um, experience it for me definitely I would say mornings are the hardest I was like I would love some of that morning energy because yeah it's just you just honestly just 
yeah, it just feels so like darkness and heavy. And like, you're again, trying to kind of think of, think about how to be positive. You might notice I'm standing right now. So and I have really changed. If you had said to me standing desk, like a year ago, I'd been like, no, that's no way, no, impossible. But I've really kind of making yourself active. And I think forcing yourself to exercise is one of the main ways that I have to try and grapple that because you just don't want to do those things. And then the other thing that I would say for the um, depression side of things is, I mean, I'll be, you know, really quite frank. It can, I think at the worst of it, I think, for me it's definitely been I can recall moments of you know suicidal ideation I wouldn't say that I've ever gotten to a point where I've actively wanted to kind of end my own life in a really like I'm making a serious effort sorry to be um dystopic but yes and I just wanted to quickly share an article that I had found um helpful and again sort of um yes Karen you get it so again sort of a trigger warning which is at the beginning of the article but I think it's just part of that whole thing of trying to as so many people have said in terms of I can't think who it was just now who was talking about yeah Lisa saying about accepting and not judging yourself and just you know you've got like some sort of chemical imbalance in your head and things that are making things harder for you in terms of how you deal with it so whether it's exercise therapy this it's all those things that I have to make sure that I fit in because I think and otherwise it can be very very hard to um, make yourself just do things and sorry um but the last thing I'd add as well is I think for me it's um I really just want to keep learning about things as well because there's all sorts of like triads and things where these things come into play together and then it's like being aware of how they're like affecting each other all those different um, bits and pieces I think is yeah a really key one as well. Great thank you everyone for sharing that um with us because I think it's asking you to be vulnerable and share things that are probably quite personal to you. So thank you very much for sharing and hopefully that's given our audience a bit of context. I guess all of you have mentioned kind of your own kind of coping mechanisms or kind of ways that you personally kind of get around issues that you're struggling with. But my, I guess my next question is, have you asked anything of perhaps your, your teammates or your organization or like when you were learning to code kind of your course providers perhaps um, to make adjustments for you and kind of are there any adjustments that you've asked for that you would encourage others in a similar position to explore and this is a free panelist talk so feel free to jump in rather than me um, kind of pick on you um yeah so as soon as I joined my employer I disclosed it I've never disclosed it in all my working career but I felt like this employer was like be your authentic self and I kind of just ran with it because um, where I've used to work is quite, um, how do you say, quite old school, quite, um, I used to work for a university. So, um, well, Russell Group University, that's what I'll just say. And um, so it was very, no one really understood things or, and I felt like at Sky, they really embrace who you are. So what I did was I told them as soon as possible, they set, set up a meeting, um, when I was going through boot camp, I had conf constant conversations with my manager who would uh, just be listening ear because it wasn't straightforward for me because boot camp was intense. So for a person like this fact that you're, you're going to get a lot of information in like five weeks, how are you supposed to break it down? But everyone's so supportive. So when I actually started working in my team, I had um, occupational health, um, fair, I think it's occupational health, yeah, occupational health, um, make an assessment of me. And they took down all my um, physical um, needs, um, all my learning needs I needed. So that's when I got my mind map and read and white software. And I got um, standing desks like um, Nayasha 
Is am I saying your name right? Am I, say, am I saying, okay, sorry. <laughs> sorry, I'm not really good at pronunciation, pronunciation sometimes. Um, so I got a standing desk um, and also, I just also got regular meetings as well, one-to-ones. I thought that was really important for me because if you want me to understand the task, I need to be able to regurgitate, regurgitate what I think is asked of me and be able to do my things in my own time and not feel rushed. Um, having the patience of my employer, my uh, manager took the time out to um, say, what is this practice and understand it. So just another point as well, um, access to work. I haven't used it myself per se, but um, access to work, when you start a new job, you'll be able to have an assessment from, um, it's a government scheme, have an assessment of your workplace, whether it's your physical needs, your um, support needs, and it's also coaching. I heard there's like dyslexic coaching, there's dyspraxic coaching. So please look into that as well. So there's different avenues, but you have to feel that you're confident enough to speak to your manager or, or and also comfortable as well because it took me a long time to say right I'm gonna um, speak to my employees about who I am fully rather than trying to um, has, what's the word trying to um, oh gosh I'm, this is so <laughs> I can't quite know trying to just basically hide part of myself so that's it yeah no need to apologize how about the other panelists um are there any other things you've asked of your organizations that you would encourage others to do as well yeah i mean just to jump in on this one this is something that um i'm this is the one of the areas that i've invested a lot of um time in um in every um employment situation i've been in i've always disclosed my dyslexia and um my um mental health um uh, uh that i face uh sorry, that's very inarticulate for me um but i've always disclosed um my, my kind of new diversity issues at the uh, interview stage um i found that if um uh, i found that some employers can sometimes if it if it if businesses are businesses and sometimes if they have to make adjustments later on in your employment um, through no fault of their own, and I'm not trying to apologize for any businesses, don't get me wrong here, like, um, but I think they, they will want to protect themselves. And that's when you start having to look at the Disability Act. And that's when you have to start getting very prescriptive with things. So I always try to like, uh, I've, I've always mentioned it straight away from, from the interview stage. Um, it sometimes means that you can get, you know, a little bit of extra time if you're kind of doing a take home assessment um also um a book that I've read that's really useful I think it's a little bit don't get me wrong it's a little bit toxic positivity take what you want from it these kind of situations sometimes you just got to be authentic and just kind of you know take it with a tablespoon of salt um but there's one called faster than normal by Peter Shankman and that's been really helpful in kind of recognizing that um you know if if you do feel like you have ADHD tendencies or if you are diagnosed with ADHD or if you have dyspraxia or dyslexia, um, these things are your superpowers. And I know that sounds very eye-rolling and very Disney, but they genuinely do help you to look at problems in a completely different way. I'm sure um, us engineers on the panel will um, can attest to the fact that sometimes when you are put in a troubleshooting scenario or you know, you're debugging something, it will take someone three days to find what you can find in two seconds. Um, slightly exaggerating there, of course. Um, but yeah, always disclose from the get-go. Remember that it's it's remember that it's your 
I know it can feel weird to have because you're having to make adjustments for it all the time but it is it's it's a gift you know and I, I, it's it's it powers you in ways that you will never understand because you will always see things through your own lens and um yeah so I'll stop going to Oprah I don't want to like ODG it but yeah I like going crazy on it but um yeah um I just I think it's just important that we accept ourselves and really just yeah use it to power us. No, I, I totally echo uh, what you're saying. Um, just, I think that touches on my next question, but lastly, um, Miasha or Toyin, do you want to just chip in on that last question before we get into the kind of the positive side that Jess is alluding to? Um, yeah, I just want to say like, um, like saying like this has been, you know, my first like proper job out of, you know, out of uni, out of anything, but um, I think disclosing it to my employer has been a lot more helpful than like hiding it. Um, like the head of people and well-being at my company, she's been super, super helpful and like, you know, um, in accommodating me. And now I also have like once a week, I have a meeting with my line manager and that's been really helpful with imposter syndrome as well, not just the other things I struggle with it's like you know is this amount of work something that should be this overwhelming and it's like no actually anyone would be this overwhelmed so I think it helps regardless just to you know like even if you don't have something going on if you need help to say that you need help with other things as well like it's it's been really helpful um I would say as well in terms of like software and stuff I don't know loads about it but um I have a Mac so there's like obviously there's dictation and um text-to-speech text-to-speech best thing in the world because when people send me really long messages I can't like I'll read them and I'll take nothing from it so having text-to-speech helps because then you can read it to me um I have Australian Siri which is the best and um <laughs> yeah so it's, it's nice like um those things help me and I would definitely say keeping a to-do list if you have ADHD I'm sorry you have to keep a to-do list otherwise you're you're just going to forget everything there's no point um and yeah like we said before I think being kind to yourself is a really key thing because otherwise you know like you, you can't beat yourself up for things that you just can't do um so yeah that would be it um do you have anything to add Niasha? Um, no, I think Toyin um, putting it all perfectly, but yeah, I think in my case, I mean, obviously, I think fortunately, it sounds like people have had good experiences in sharing stuff. And obviously, there are situations where you're going to, you know, come across um, people who aren't as understanding. And I know for me, it's definitely cost me things, whether it's in terms of progression or this or just, you know, whether it's like, do you get that contract extended or, you know, and I think there's, you know, different intersectionalities coming into play. And, you know, as a black woman, I think there's definitely something to take into account there and I think for me I always think about you know colorism as well but I think unfortunately there are some cases where I feel in how I would describe it, it's like the blackness walks into the room so you don't always get that grace but I think at the end of the day you have to give the grace to yourself and I think for me it's just 
you know, when I explain it now, I try and, you know, talk about, oh, my sad childhood story and this, but it is important and, you know, it does matter. And I'm just happy to kind of, you know, wear my heart on my sleeve and just be upfront and say, hey, this is, you know, where I'm coming from. This is what I've dealt with because, you know, there's all sorts of things like, you know, ACEs, adverse childhood experiences. And, you know, you can talk about, oh, there's this triad and you can share research. So in my experience, you know, the more you know about what's going on and you've got that, um, professional um, support as much as you can and then you just say this is you know the situation that I'm in and then I think even if it's maybe not the people that you'd want to support you I think you can always find that um, assistance somewhere somewhere else because I know for me when I felt like I wasn't getting that um, support from maybe an HR perspective or manager perspective then you know having the coding black females community was like just honestly just like a lifesaver. Thank you so much, everyone, for sharing that. I've tried to make a note of everything you've mentioned so we can share out some of these resources later. I just want to go back to the point that Jess was making about uh, superpower, which I say in air quotes because I know not everyone appreciates that term. But I do want to kind of pick up, I don't want this talk to be all about kind of struggle. I just want to pick up and kind of explore kind of what unique insights does your kind of condition or illness or kind of any kind of experience give you that perhaps someone who hasn't had that experience um have if that makes sense like what like what is the other side to it if you want to kind of see it in kind of binary positive and negative what would be the kind of positive again in air quotes um side to it I guess Jess if you want to kind of hammer home your point again yes yeah um yeah so I thought I was going a little bit over the top there with the um yeah it's good to kind of acknowledge the positives isn't it without like um going full um, but, um, so in one of my previous roles, I was a, um, a solutions engineer, um, and that's a, you know, an engineer that sits within a sales org, um, I think, um, Toyn, you're a solutions manager, right? So it's uh, very much in that kind of field. Um, I found that, um, uh, I think in order to kind of navigate life, we get quite used to, um, trying alternative methods as a, a first practice. Um, so, um, I think we are a lot more, um, potentially a lot more resilient, um, potentially kind of, um, uh, I say abstract thinking kind of comes naturally. I think that sounds a bit, it comes across a little bit, yeah, a little bit annoying when I say that out loud. Um, but I, I guess, you know, when you think a certain way, you're not really, you're never going to understand a neurotypical kind of perspective so um I guess um being in those sort of environments where you have to problem solve on a daily basis um I think you kind of some I don't know whether or not the um my family panelists kind of agree but you can sometimes see that um that um flexibility and thought kind of comes out in you in a lot more obvious ways than it might do in your kind of colleagues what what do you what does everyone else think definitely um flexibility of thought um it allows you to be more creative uh, rather than just being you know one way fits all you need to think of things outside the box so I don't just look at things in one route I try and look at different alternatives because my brain's always going like crazy it's like look at this look at it this way look at it this way look at it this way so I always have to write things down because I can't just um think about things in one box if you can say it like that um and also I would say resilience I think Lisa definitely touched on it because 
for me as a dyspraxic, I've had to work 10 times harder just to do the basics of life. Um, and sometimes I look back and go, oh my gosh, you're taking me like, you know, an hour just to write a simple email. But, you know, that email is detailed. Um, it's detailed. I look at all avenues. I take my time. So it's all about embracing everything we, about us. And um, it's hard sometimes, especially when you see, you know, your neurotypicals like going, doing things quite easy and um, stress-free. But sometimes you just have to, I have to take a step back and say, look, you're going to get there, but just be patient with yourself. Be patient and be kind, as we've all said today. And um, yeah, that, I think that's the only things I really kind of thought of. Um, I think also, you also, with being um, neurodivergent, you, you, you're more accepting of people as they are. Um, you're, you don't, you take people as they are, the good and the bad. And, you know, for me, I just take people as they are, the good, the bad, um, and, you know, I'm not saying that the bad people, I just accept, you know, as they are, well, I accept for them being rude or anything to me. I, you know, I tend to, I try and confront people as I can and when I can, because um, with growing up, I've been quite, confidence levels were always high, but you just accept people for who they are more than your, than your average person, because you're empathetic and you're, you just feel emotions more in general. So that's my bit. Uh, Nyasha or Toyin, do you have anything else to add to this question? So yeah, I think uh, uh, first of all, yes, with Afwa, definitely yeah, with you on that front as well. And I loved how Jessica was putting it with that um, confidence, because I think for me, I was trying to think coming here, I was like, yeah, what was that moment? And I remember, I think one of my colleagues, he was like, I don't know, he had like a really um, hectic day and he was like, he just didn't want to look at his code anymore. And he sent it to me and he's like, good luck. And I was like, you'll see, you'll see. And then it's like, I think, yeah, there's that pride and, you know, you're able to manage it, I guess, in a way, because it's more how your brain is wired to see those sorts of things. And then I think just with other bits and pieces, yeah, it's like, you know, it can be high attention to detail. And I think it's like, you're able to, I think, thrive. And again, using that um, resilience, as was it um, Lisa who was saying as well. And I think, yeah, I would definitely say with, Afro, like that whole empathy side of things as well, as I think is a real superpower. And I think for me, it's just those moments where you're having that acknowledgement and you're like, actually, you know, I can really thrive with this. And I think someone talked about I'm working in quality assurance before. And I think testing, that was one of those bits as well, where you're like, okay, yeah, repetitive. Yeah, I like this, this feels comfortable. <laughs> but yeah, so it was um, one of those moments. And I think, yeah, it's just a case of you leaning into that and actually not having it be something that you feel is gonna like count you out but actually you know I'm someone who can really you know be an asset and add value in this way and you know it's, it's okay to be um yeah different. Thank you anything to add Toyin? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, yeah like I think yeah like a um like quite a large part of my like role is is testing um so I think having that like attention to detail that other people don't really have um and it is it is enjoyable like the kind of repetitiveness and like documenting things like it's like I don't know why but it's like I, I don't enjoy it but I'm good at it so <laughs> it's um something to you know like have um and I think we're able to kind of yeah like be more creative in the way we solve things um you know like the, just the ability to think differently than 
you know, a neurotypical person. I think that is a real advantage in technology. Um, so I think that's definitely something that is yeah. key almost. Yeah. Yeah, because I would say definitely you've, you've all mentioned like resilience, attention to detail, thinking outside of the box. These are all like super important if you're in tech um, or coding, especially and documenting, like you said, Toyin, like I wish we'd have better documenters <laughs> in, in my team. So, yeah, these are definitely skills that can take you far within the tech space. So I think, it, yeah, it was good to kind of highlight that and highlight that like being your authentic self rather than trying to fit into a mold will actually kind of take you somewhere within the tech industry. Um, so yeah, so I guess just leading on to kind of another question of mine is, is there something more that organization or your organization or colleagues or perhaps people on the call who, who don't have these illnesses or conditions or are neurotypical, is there something more that people can be doing and kind of what would you suggest? Um, I, I would say like, um, I think because of the fact that we have to like communicate through text, I, I wish like more people use like emojis more. Um, okay. It's really helpful for tone. Like, you know, if you put a smiley face, then I like, I know that people aren't being like rude, but it, it does really help me understand the, the you know the tone kind of context of what people are saying um I think my organization though I think I think I'm lucky in a sense that they do really put well-being at like the forefront so you know me sharing that I was I had like these conditions they've done like nothing but be supportive so I feel like I've like hit the jackpot in terms of first employers but um yeah I think just uh, I'd say being more mindful, like not sending really long texts and adding emojis, my things. <laughs> but yeah, that's it. Any pointers for anyone else? Um, I think this uh, it's really good when um, I, I don't know if um, uh, a lot of, if, if anyone um, identifies with this, but um, I found that like learning how to program kind of it almost like teaches you how to think all over again. You know, we've kind of taken some of the principles of how the mind works and transferred that into like a literal kind of recipe system for like writing stuff. Um, so I think like loads of um, I think the kind of the the core practices of like pair programming you know how when you kind of pair with someone or I don't know whether if, if you haven't paired with anyone before sometimes when you pair with someone you will um you'll outline your rules of engagement to begin with and how you'd like to be contacted and it's very like explicit and very direct and um but in a very um good faith way and it's shared in a sort of uh, a, a sort of a way of like this is this is my preference please you know do with that what you will um I think kind of like volunteering that kind of vulnerability up front is like really good when people say like this is this is me this is how I like to talk this is how I like to interact um please feel free to share your preferences with me and it just leaves the kind of this, this I think it just makes the space because sometimes we can often bend over backwards trying to double guess what someone would like to do for us or how someone might like to be treated and it's a, it comes from an entirely kind way but it can just be so cause the opposite effect I don't yeah I don't know if anyone else has experienced that but um yeah just sometimes just being vulnerable and then just stepping back and letting someone 
do their thing. Yeah, I agree. Efwa um, or Niasha, do you have any kind of input on this question? Um, the only thing I think that's been mentioned as a lot is just have regular one-to-ones if you can. Um, it's just my organisation has been really good at that and they've been understanding and one, been willing to learn about um, my learning difference. Um, so if you can be, just be open. And also lockdown has been a bit hard for me a little bit because I started my role during um, lockdown and um, all remote. I've never been to the office. Since, well, I've been to the office once, but I haven't been to the office since I started the role. So I miss that interaction of getting to see people's um, tone um, face to face rather than online. And sometimes you, not everyone has their cameras on. So you're trying to gauge um, what they're trying to say via their voice. And sometimes that can be a bit difficult um, to understand. Um, and also um, my organization, what, what's been happening is like, since I've joined, I've we, um, me and a couple of others have um, started this neurodiversity group in our organization under the wellbeing umbrella, which has been great. So we've had, we have a website, we have a Slack channel, um, we have um, a Yammer page where people share what they're going through during work or maybe outside of work or what they their children are going through. So if you have a community um, and an organization, um, embrace it and talk with them. If you don't, set one up if you can with others. It's just a great way to meet other people who think differently and um, work differently and find different techniques and strategies in order to work um, successfully in your role. Thanks, Thanks. Um, I think you're saying a lot of um, your panelists are all kind of agreeing, which is great. Um, Yasha, do you have anything um, to add? Yeah, I think um, for me, it would just be, I guess there's, this, there's an element there of, I guess, giving the benefit of the doubt. And I guess, you know, we're talking about, it can be so hard to, I guess, accept and to embrace yourself. And I think when you have that understanding and that shame empathy, because I think for me, I can definitely think of moments where I feel that I've made space for other people because I can kind of sense, I can say, oh, okay, I can like, you know, have that sense of, yes, this is, you know, someone where it's like not neurotypical behavior. And it's like, cause you're seeing that, like elements of them like maybe within yourself but then it's like you, you're not always feeling that that room is being made for you so I think having a really um strong HR function I think is just yeah cannot underscore the importance of that because it just makes a difference when you're able to talk and you're able to speak up about things and then I think the other thing as well would be yeah definitely with management I think even if uh, people who maybe don't necessarily experience um, similar challenges but you know having that relationship with your manager can just be um challenging in general and I think kind of a little bit when Jessica was saying some stuff it made me think of I don't know if people have seen the whole people like when you start something or you start a new thing they say here's my user manual this is what I like let's do this let's do that so I think just that kind of thing and having that real commitment to you want to help that person to thrive in like whatever way you can do I think that makes a real difference. Thank you. There's some really great pointers in there. So hope, hopefully that's been useful to our audience. Um, I've got one final question. So audience members, if you do have some questions, start putting them in the chat box. Um, but I guess my final question um, to our panelists is kind of on top of this, your kind of experience as uh, say neurodivergent or with illness or with disability kind of does 
does your race and does your gender kind of add another dimension to to your experience and kind of just want to explore that intersection a bit more mm, yeah I was very very reluctant to um, reveal my um, diagnosis so I've known since I was 19 but I've always kind of hid it from everyone so um, because one I'm black second I'm female now I'm going to add another layer and say I'm neurodivergent and you know it's not been an easy ride you know for females black women in the workplace so to add another layer for them to say oh she can't do her role oh she's um she's not quick enough or she's not competent enough I it took me a long time to just accept me for who I am and um just embrace everything about me because for me it wasn't just me that you know revealing my diagnosis it's like getting friends to accept it getting family members to accept it and embracing me so um I just all I say is just be yourself if you if you're ready to be yourself be yourself but um just because there's no there's only one you there's no carbon copy of you um it's taken me a long time but it's taken I'm still learning I'm not always going to be I'm not going to say to everyone that I'm neurodivergent it's when it comes up it comes up but just learn about yourself and learn about what sort of needs that you need and um take do what you have to do don't you don't need to follow it everyone's path everyone's different so yeah that's me thanks how about everyone else does does being black and female kind of impact your experience um, I think I would say that it it definitely does, I guess, because, yeah, like saying, you know, like there's things that are noticeable about you, like being black and then being a woman. I think having the added like neurodiversity, it makes it more complex because it's kind of like that's the kind of thing that you you could hide, if you know what I mean. Um, whereas being black and a woman, you can't really be like, oh, no. So I think for me um I think that's why I wanted to get my diagnosis even more so because I, I already am you know say at like disadvantage but like because of you know racism and sexism so I think I wanted to have the diagnosis so that I knew and then also that I kind of have you know like the disability act behind me and I know I can say look, look I'm you know I'm struggling with these things or I, I don't process things the same way as everyone else um but I think it's I would say the it might be the most simplest part of my identity because it is the thing that I can choose to disclose so yeah that's my experience I think yeah that's super interesting about the diagnosis and kind of having that proof um that you require help um haven't considered that before um and it's also quite a shame quite a shame considering our kind of healthcare system and how difficult it is for people to get um the support and diagnosis sees that they need um so yeah. yeah that's definitely something i'm taking away from that um jessica and yasha any further thoughts on this question yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's such a good point. And uh, Toyin, I think the idea of like the bit of you that you get to disclose, I totally just identify with that completely. Um, I think um, 
you know the thing with implicit bias or like a sort of you know unconscious bias is that people never really need to put a label on it they can just think that you're difficult and they never have to kind of explain why or investigate that within themselves or really you know understand anything and then you're there answering for the unexplained behavior of people that they've encountered in the past it's uh yeah it's really it's 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 strange because I guess you don't really want to I think it's easy to sometimes get um I don't know whether or not you felt this FY when you're kind of with in um, the Russell Group University but sometimes if um when you're just used to assimilating into spaces it just becomes second nature and you just don't even think about it you just you adopt a certain like set of conversation topics um mirroring things you just try to just fit in because that's just how you've understood how to get by um I thought Niasha made a really good point as well like when you're mentioning colorism because I think it's so it's it's not talked about enough like the word bully gets thrown around so much when it comes to women especially black women especially darker skin you have like um when I was working in a US company um based in the UK I found that the kind of the the perceptions of you being black in the US versus being black in this UK were really different and um you had uh, a lot projected onto you but um I, th I think colorism needs to get the exact same recognition as racism because it's even more covert and insidious. Yeah, thanks for sharing, um, Jess. I mean, that's kind of like a very deep and um, kind of, yeah, I think it what we're saying with kind of this layered experience is definitely something that needs to be spoken about so I'm glad we're speaking about it um, but for people that do cross over multiple intersection multiple intersections it is like it's a lot to deal with like it's a lot um, to have your gender and your race and then your kind of neurodiversity or disability kind of all stacking against you in in the society that we have um, it, yeah it's a lot to deal with um, so we're going to go on to uh, audience questions now. Um, so please put some in the chat if you do have them. We did have one question from Salma on YouTube, um, which was, um, how do you deal with the shame or fear of getting things wrong at work because of your disability? And that's to anyone who wants to answer. I'm happy to uh, answer for this one as well. So yes, it's, um, I think it would, for me, yeah, go back to other bits that I was making before. I think it's just really, it's so, so hard because I mean, I'm sure many people can relate to the whole, you know, automatic negative thoughts and just the way that our brain has evolved over time where it amplifies those negative bits and you've got social anxiety and it's like, you must fit in, you must get things right. And then if you embarrass yourself, it's like, it's a bigger deal than it needs to be. So I think for me, um, what's been most helpful is I think there's there's interesting representations in media and definitely it's lacking for um, certain groups. But at least for me, you know, there was something where someone talked about art. It's like something about, you know, healing and beauty and things. And I was like, yes, because I think there was this, this line and I can't remember which movie that just stayed with me. And it was just kind of the character just having a realization that after all the things that they've dealt with, like they're actually doing a great job. 
And I think having that, especially when it can be so easy to minimize what you've done. And it's like when you're focusing on that mistake that you've made, however big or small it might have been, it's like you're discounting all the times that you've done a great job. And actually it's okay to like take up space in that way where you're like, yes, I'm flawed. Yes, you know, I got it wrong. Yes, I messed up. And actually it's okay. Because I think especially, you know, as um, the black community, especially, you know, there's so many people who have fought um, for us to be, you know, and maybe things are still not quite there yet, but to be considered, you know, like more human in that way. So actually just like staying steadfast in that for me anyway, and saying, yes, you know, I, I got it wrong. It's okay. And actually I'm just going to try and be kind to myself. And I think just, yeah, you really have to push it with that self-love, whether it's, I don't know, meditation can be helpful, mindfulness, like audio things it's just whatever helps you like be kinder to yourself I think that's what you need to focus on and I think just you know there's that lovely yes we'll go back to Oprah Jessica you know you are not your thoughts you are the awareness of your thoughts because it's like your thoughts feel so powerful that they're overwhelming you but actually you can say okay you can label that shame fear and you're like moving on I'm not good at it I'm I'm just it's talking about what should be done <laughs> does anyone else have anything to add to what Yasha said, although that was a very thorough answer, so may have covered it. Okay, cool. I'll move on to another question from Joshua, which is quite interesting. Um, do people ever doubt or challenge your neurodivergent conditions? I know a lot of them can be seen as male only, um, like autism is much more often diagnosed and accepted in boys, um, like ADHD might be seen as a white person issue. Um, so yeah, back to the main question. Do people ever doubt or challenge your, your conditions? Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. Um, I think it's, it's difficult because of the masking. It's, you know, it's not as obvious to people and that's fair enough, but it is kind of insulting when you say that you're struggling with something and then people decide to say, well, you know, I can't notice, so it doesn't, you know. You, you can't see what people are struggling with so I definitely think that people do question whether or not you have those things and I think it makes it more difficult because like I've only recently been diagnosed but it was like I was kind of in my own pattern of telling myself that I wasn't struggling and like you know this is just like how everyone else is but it's like it's not so I think definitely when you know that something's wrong if you, if you want to get checked and check it out and kind of don't really listen to what other people say if someone's going to tell you that you're not struggling with it they, they're not in your head so um definitely you know like believe in yourself and how you're feeling and how it affects you and you know you, you probably saw a psychiatrist they're pretty qualified so yeah they know what they're talking about <laughs> But yeah, people definitely like question whether or not you have it. You just have to kind of back yourself in your own knowledge. I guess having a diagnosis helps with that. Yeah, I think so. But even I think even not having it, like you can you can just tell like you the fact that as well that you'd be willing to go to a professional anyway to ask them to confirm this you probably you know you're struggling with something and yeah. that's that's enough I think yeah um so we've got another question from Panama which um 
may link to what we said already, but I'll, I'll ask it as well. Um, so Panama says, how do you manage imposter syndrome with disability? It is something I really struggle with as I was only diagnosed with an invisible uh, disability at 30. So how do you, how do you guys manage uh, imposter syndrome? Um, so what I do is I tend to journal a lot. Um, I tend to basically state my wins for the day. I think it's really important to um, celebrate everything that you've, you, you've won that day. It could be small things like, right, I've cleaned the kitchen. Because for me, it might be, it might take forever for me to do that. But anything you've done, even at work, I'll, I've been able to understand um, a fundamental process, um, write them down. Um, because sometimes we forget, for me in my short-term memory, I forget what I'd done like a week ago, but if I look back and say, right, I've achieved this. And surrounding myself with, you know, good people, people that understand me, people, I don't, I don't tolerate people who disregard me and who I am. So it's about eliminating people who don't support you and being around the community. So when I want to understand more about dyspraxia, I joined a few groups on Facebook and I've seen some, you know, people on Twitter and just, just to gain more understanding because we, we're all going through different life struggles and sometimes you just need a community. You need, a, you know, a, a squad with you to help you through these imposter syndrome sometimes and having good work colleagues. I have a few that's on the call right now. They, they're just supportive and they've always asked um, how they can help and, and yeah, that's all, that's all I can say for now. But there's so many different ways of um, limiting um, imposter syndrome. You don't always get it right. Not every day is rosy. Sometimes I have a really dyspraxic day where I can't even think, I can't even do much work, but you know, I try and do as much as I can do. So if you're kind to yourself and you're um, keep yourself calm and you know, take things a step, a step at a time, not like, a, you know, don't think about things in weeks, step, a step at a time, a minute at a time. It will help rather than trying to conquer the world in a, you know, in a day, you can't do that. Rome wasn't built in a day, it was built how, however long it was. So yeah, just take a moment, take a moment at a time. And um, yeah, that's it for me really. <laughs> I just quickly like to add to that as well. Yes, I was like, woo, yes. I was like, yes, I need, I needed to hear this. Um, I think, first of all, um, there's like so many, um, I think, great like perspectives on this um, with Michelle Obama. I think she's talked about, you know, being in certain rooms with certain people and actually she's like, you know, they're not any more kind of qualified or better, whatever that means than any of the rest of us. So I think it's also, there's a level there of kind of pushback in how we think about and how we interpret things. And then from the disability perspective, I'm sure many people have heard the kind of um, people talking about how like, everyone's going to become disabled at some point, you know, in your life, like in terms of, you know, getting into old age. So I think there's that sort of mindset that, OK, yes, maybe you have things that you need to deal with sooner. But again, there's just that, I guess, appreciation of life that it can give in terms of, you know, yes, playing it at a very hard difficulty setting. But whatever happens, I think it's things that can be overcome and there'll always be a source of like help and support that you can find in the same way, you know, when you're learning to code, there's always something that's going to work for you. So you don't have to let anything hold you back. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think, I need to be careful what I say here, but I think there's like a, a different way of looking at, the, at it as in is it 
so I guess we, what we often do is tell tell minority groups that they they're suffering from imposter syndrome. But I guess another way to look at it is is it imposter syndrome or is it just people are being made to kind of work on trying to thrive in in structures that just don't weren't simply built for them whether it that's on account of their gender or their race or their ability or kind of um how they think um oftentimes we're we're trying to survive and thrive in systems that weren't built for us and to kind of feel that you don't belong is quite a natural reaction to those systems um, and not kind of a, a reflection on you yourself. Um, but yeah, moving on to another question from Michelangelo on YouTube. He says, thank you all. In your ideal scenario, how early would you choose to communicate uh, any illness or disability with management and other colleagues? So kind of when's the, when's the best time? It's whenever you, I think it's whenever you feel comfortable. It's, it's all up to you. It's not up to what society says. If you feel like if you can do it early on, then you'll possibly get the strategies in place that you need. Like you maybe you, you go through your work occupational health or you might go through access to work if you're in the UK. But um, do it whenever you feel comfortable. Don't let anyone pressure you. But um, if you but if you really want things in place then you should disclose it as soon as possible you don't need to tell everyone in the team um no you just need to tell the people that, that support you line manager you um hopefully they're receptive with access to work there's um, an element where your team can be trained about your health condition your illness your um learning difference um collectively so um everyone can support you in that team or your manager can support you so they can get training funded through access to work so that's a um great nugget to know as well um i've got a question for toyan um what is it about australian siri <laughs> um it's the female australian siri and i don't know it's just the way she says things it's it's just so much more enjoyable but um I think it's I, I really like the amount of Siri voices there are like I've gone through them all and I, I've picked Australian Siri especially she just has the best voice thank you that's, that's just good to know <laughs> um so we've got a question from Sophie Newton she says I myself am dyslexic and I'm trying to promote neurodiversity at work but I sometimes struggle knowing where to start uh, thanks for the Slack channel setup recommendation and book. Is there anything else you would recommend on the book front? Um, so any book recommendations that have helped you? I know, Jessica, you mentioned a book earlier that I didn't note down. Yeah, it's uh, called Faster Than Normal by Peter Shankman. Um, it's, I think, oh, with a lot of these books, some of them are kind of, it's, I think there's like a default for them to kind of skew a little bit more sort of middle of the road executive um just get your ea to help you like uh, some of them can be really frustratingly reductive um but um i think one of the fav one of my favorite things about faster than normal is it kind of talks about um is it acknowledges how um recognizing the speed at which your brain can work sometimes can be you know you, it's, it's a thing that you can harness in your favor and although there's no way that we can ever see life from another perspective you know we are inside our own heads and we can only see things from our perspective like it's sometimes easy to forget that you know you um I, I know this is very like 
crass metaphor but sometimes like it's almost like just instantly being able to like you can just speak Russian I mean obviously you can't just speak Russian but like it's it's <laughs> second nature to you so um uh yeah no faster than normal is really great and then, to be honest I think um uh uh I think books like Becoming, I think, yeah, Nyasha mentioned it with the, the kind of, yeah, exactly, the Michelle Obama thing. Just leaning into the self acceptance could be really great because um, uh, one thing that you mentioned earlier on, Nyasha, was when um, you're kind of talking about um, when you're approaching a task and not beating yourself up about getting it wrong. Like every single attempt is an attempt, like that's like the step that you're iterating to getting it right. And every single time that, you know, like, say if you're trying to like, get up in the morning okay you didn't get 6am but you got 7.30 you know and tomorrow you can get like 6.45 and it just yeah I, I guess I've strewed from the book recommendation sorry but um yeah just being holistic I guess with the literature recommendations is yeah no need to apologize that's that's all good information uh, there was a question from Clara about how do you share at work um, and kind of related to GDPR, um, disclosing your kind of disability status? So um, I'm not, maybe Clara, I don't know if you want to add just to make sure I've understood the question, but I mean, for me, my understanding of GDPR is I don't know if this is necessarily when it would apply, but definitely, you know, in the same way, I think, you know, it's Pride Month and things like that. And I know a situation that at least for me comes to mind is like disclosures about any other kind of identity. And you know, with um, like disability being a protected characteristic, I don't think anyone would be able to um, disclose that for you. So I think it's about you know you having that agency. And as you know, Echo was saying about when you're comfortable. So when you decide to say something, I think, and if it were to be any sort of kind of GDPR violation and something being shared without your explicit consent and authorization, because obviously there are some situations where you might find it helpful for someone to say on your behalf and kind of say, hey please, you know, someone with maybe authority something and asking people to make accommodations. But I think whatever happens, you know, there's loads of great sources online to make sure that you know your rights and you're able to kind of, yeah, equality act and arming yourself, as I think um, Toyin said. Um, I'm just scanning the chat box for more questions. So if I've missed your question, please just post it again, because um, there's quite a lot, a lot to go through. So I just want to make sure I, I ask them. Um, there was a question earlier. I know, Nyasha, you answered it in the chat box, but maybe for the benefit of anything, everything, everyone else, um, how do you manage having the hard conversations with your co-workers and manager when you're in the middle of a depressive episode? That was from Amuche earlier. I'm happy to expand, but maybe if someone else wanted to give their take. Um, I uh, I found that having the um, I, I, um, uh, take medication and um, speak to counsellors regularly for my depression. Um, I found that talking about it in a work scenario is obviously difficult. Exposing some part of, part of yourself that's kind of you know very personal. Um, um, but I found that sometimes doing it on different channels can really help. I know it sounds really silly, but like sometimes doing a Slack notification, uh, sorry, a Slack message with obviously with the emojis toy in um, and uh, then doing an email, maybe then discussing it over um, Zoom. It can feel like you're like repeating yourself and really hammering at home, but by um, saying the same thing a couple of times and just really kind of, I know that phrase is annoying, but normalizing it and just getting people used to kind of talking, like just hearing the words, um, 
that can be really useful. Um, yeah, I know it's not the best advice, but it can help, I guess, to just, yeah. Trying to find me, Asha, what you said in the, in the chat. <laughs> I don't know, does that, does that cover what you, what your answer was? Yeah, I mean, the gist of what I was saying, oh gosh, I have to go back and read now, so bad. Right, um, I think for me, it's really a sense of, I really liked what Jessica, you were saying as well, because it's a case of what works for you. And I know for me, it's some sometimes where I probably wouldn't want it to be written. And so it's something, yeah, you might want to just have an informal sort of, oh, hey. So I think for me, yeah, saying it the sooner the better, because I wouldn't want to be in a situation where it's like, you haven't said before, that this is something that you struggle with. And then like something's happening or you feel like you're not able to do something because then it's just again you know protecting yourself as a black woman especially and i think afro you said it best that like the people who are not there for you it can be hard but i think you can get a sense of people with whom you feel a sense of psychological safety so just that whole like you feel you you like you can you can trust them and it can be very hard i've heard stories like you can't trust some people and i think yeah there can be those um situations unfortunately where it's like you're feeling like it's actively used against you but at the end of the day i think it's just knowing that whatever happens you're going to be okay and i think you know it's it's your truth it's not something that you're able to control so I think if you've done the best you can and you've been transparent and you know you've made a serious effort, even if people aren't going to see it or if they're going to whatever, like, you know, uh, downplay it or all those things, it's like, you know that you can overcome that. And I feel that it will be possible to find spaces where you're sincerely appreciated. And I think, you know, you have a right like to, you know, like Naomi and Osaka, I don't know if that's come up before, but just again, like her choosing herself, like that's freedom. I completely agree. Um, I think there was a question earlier from uh, Paras. Um, I guess networking and communication is like massive, well, in any industry in, in modern modern times, but in tech as well. How how do you guys kind of get on with networking and communicating um, whilst also managing kind of your your conditions and and different ways of seeing the world? Uh, oh, oh. Um, oh, I guess um, I've, I've, I haven't known that I've like, well, I've known that I've struggled, but I haven't known why. Um, and obviously I've had to like network before this. So I think most of my networking has kind of been just like by force that I've, I've had to network because I know what I want to like do, you know, like it's kind of, like using your I don't know what's the word not like your um like your your goals like you set goals for yourself so I think in terms of networking it's kind of like well you kind of have to push yourself out there and I think on the autism side it is it's kind of difficult like speaking to new people I, d I don't know how um they're gonna be and I find that quite like scary, but it's, you kind of just have to push yourself out of your comfort zone. And it's even more of a, like, you know, you have your specific, very specific comfort zones. So you're gonna have to kind of crawl out of that. If you have certain goals that you want to achieve, kind of just have to push yourself, I think. Um, I don't know any like good ways, you know, like um, the things that I did actually really was, 
having friends having people that I am comfortable with with me like every time I've gone to network whether it's like uni or like before uni I've been with friends so that's been very helpful um just to make it comfortable in your own way what you like bring that you know like it's, it's very personal it depends what you're struggling with but I think just try and make it something that's enjoyable in your own sense yeah I think no one really likes networking really <laughs> yeah so bring friends I think bringing friends is my big one but yeah I don't know if FY you wanted to jump in or if you were just moving earlier <laughs> <laughs> no you should just move on <laughs> um I guess we're kind of coming to close but I just wanted to kind of just ask how has COVID and lockdown been for you I know for many it's been like a leveler um for those with caring responsibilities for those for women for for uh people for non-white people um but what about for you guys how has COVID and lockdown been a kind of help or a hindrance um COVID and starting a new role has been um challenging definitely um I missed you know seeing the body language and the tone um so I'm actually in on the thought that I can't wait um to go back into the office like one day a week just to meet my team um <laughs> so I'm looking forward to that and so in the next couple of weeks I actually will be hoping I can do so to go into the office at least one day a week to meet my team at least because I haven't really met them um I haven't met them face to face it's all been virtual and um I get really tired um with dyspraxia you can get really tired with meetings throughout the day so I do love um a meeting free day where I can actually just do some work and not really because if you go from one meeting and then 10 minutes later you've got another meeting I'm like oh my gosh all this information so um I've had, you know, I've basically had enough of Zoom and Teams, but <laughs> but I just say it's been difficult. But I've been able to express that to my um, my team and told them that I found it difficult at times, and they've been very accommodating. Um, they've been checking up on me constantly, and um, yeah, I just say take. I'm taking it each day as it comes, and I can't wait to get back into the office. How about the rest of the panelists? Um, I'm I'm like on the fence <laughs> I'm a bit nervous to go back I think because of lockdown I think it's been you know like I've met like maybe six or seven people from work and there's like 40 people now and I think it's it's been weird only having going it'll be going from only having work conversations really to in person and then like personal conversations with people that you like knowing a strange circumstance so um I'm a bit nervous to go back but I am excited because then I'll be able to read people's tone properly but yeah I think um I'm excited but also scared but, yeah <laughs> okay it's getting close to half seven so I'm going to start wrapping things up um but before we go panelists I'm gonna ask each of you um to kind of give one little nugget 
that you want to leave us with. Um, so I'll give you some time to think. Um, and while you're thinking, I'm just going to want to say thank you to everyone um, for attending. You've had a, a really great turnout today. Um, and special thanks to our speakers, uh, Efwa, Toyin, Jess and Yasha. Um, they've been incredibly vulnerable and open with us. Um, and that's just made for a really great conversation. Um, so thank you so much. And um, yeah, if you want to listen back or if you want to share this conversation with other people, it will be on YouTube, hopefully tomorrow. And then we'll also kind of make a podcast out of that and, and let, you, let you kind of know about it through our social media channels. I'm also gonna try and share some of the resources and books and things that um, people, both audience members and panelists have shared today, because um, that's all super helpful. And just one final plug, um, please could you fill out the feedback form if you've attended today um, as an audience member, it really helps us um, as volunteers to kind of make events that are useful and helpful um, to you guys. Um, so it'll only take two minutes, I've put the link in the chat. Um, but yes, over to you panellists for your final nugget of advice or reflections or things that you want people to take away. I'm going to go in alphabetical order, so that means F <laughs> <laughs> Um, What I would say is um, accept every part of you and don't fight who you are and just embrace yourself and get a better understanding about you and your difference. Um, that's what I would say, yeah. Uh, I'm just going for the alphabet just, just <laughs> I was second guessing myself then I was like hey, yeah um uh, I guess um set your own boundaries and don't feel bad about it you're looking out for you I think Toyin you said this earlier on back yourself because no one else is going to and don't be um discouraged if um people start to treat you maybe without the sort of care that you like to because you know the thing about exceptions is they look a lot the hell of a lot like the rule you know you, you don't you don't know them when they yeah when you come across them. Slightly inarticulate, but hopefully you got the gist. That's great. Um, Yasha? Just, I would echo what I've been saying before. I think um, it's really just, for me, it's been helpful just learning as much as you can about things. And I think there's so many amazing organizations, you know, there's um, Black Learning and Achievement and Mental Health. There's, you know, the Black and Asian Network, something, something therapy network, like whatever it is, just learn as much about the things that you're dealing with and get that support. And then I think the other thing is, well, it would be, I guess, like leaning into things in a different way, because I think sometimes it's just that whole like inner battle. And actually, sometimes you're a lot more capable of things that you can do, like in a way that you wouldn't have thought you'd be able to achieve, but actually you can go for it. Speaking as definitely someone who's been like, no, I don't want to do this, I want to do this. And then you do it. And actually you're like, oh, actually, I was able to handle that. And it's just, you know, your mind like uh, playing tricks on you or saying things or doing different things. But yeah, I think just go for it. And, you know, nothing, nothing can limit you. That's right. Uh, Toyin, last week. Um, I'd just say definitely don't be afraid to seek the support that you need. Um, I think, you know, like speaking to people is, is the most helpful thing for me. I think as well with like imposter syndrome, being able to ask people, actually, am I, am I doing well at this thing? Um, it, it helps you when you do have the small hiccups. So it's just, yeah, being kind and reaching out for support, what I'd say. 
Thank you, speakers. Um, again, just want to reiterate, um, this talk has been so refreshing and uh, open and um, I hope it's been useful to our audiences. Loads of thank yous coming through. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for sharing. Um, like I said, this, uh, this event will be available on YouTube and our podcast um, by the end of this week. Um, so please do share it widely as, yeah, I, th I think in my opinion, we've had a really great uh, discussion today and I think others would really benefit from some of the things that have been said. Um, so yeah, uh, thank you everyone. I hope you have a good rest of your evening um, and hopefully see you somewhere um, coding black females related in the near future. So thank you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about what we do, head to codingblackfemales.com.